listening to another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Uh, it is really cool to be here. It was great last week to, for the first time to be here, but not be here, but still be here. Uh, it was really cool. If you weren't here, you're kind of wondering what's happening. Well, last week we spoke, uh, and we're doing the whole unmask, but spoke on insecurity. And I think there's a picture there from last weekend's uh, message uh, where we, we talked about this amazing thing called insecurity. And how insecurity is something, it's not a question of do you have it, but the question is, is does it have you? It's, it's not a question that, you know, I wonder if I have insecurity. Don't, don't wonder if you do. You do, all right? We've all, we've all got it in some way, shape or form. For, for some of us, it's so dominant, it dictates everything that we do, the way we respond, the way we act. And then for others, it'll overproject ourselves and make ourselves out to be more than what we really are, which isn't a good thing either. But either way, it always isolates us. And it's funny because when you've got insecurity and you know you've got it, it's something that it's kind of like, you know, you get used to it. Yeah, I've got, I got insecurity, all right? I, and I think that's probably sometimes half the challenge is just getting okay with the fact that we've got it and then working out how do we isolate it? How do we master it? Because it sure does want to try and master you, right? And so uh, there's nothing like traveling with insecurity. You know, I was thinking about this when you, when you fly and obviously having to fly home uh, on Monday night, I... Um, you know, you, you go through and they've got that declaration, like the little form that you fill out first. It's like, okay, you, you, get, you, you put your bags and everything. And then it asks a few questions. It's like, all right, do you know the contents of your baggage? You know, like, it's like, well, you know, uh, yes, yes, I know the contents of my baggage. Funny question. Do you know the contents of your baggage? We all got baggage. <laughs> do you know the contents of your baggage? Next question. Is it dangerous? <laughs> Is anyone honest? Yes, actually, I have a firearm. You know, like, no, there's just a couple of tarantulas and a snake in a jar. You know, like, like do, are we ever honest? Like, I'm one of the guys that's kind of like, I don't want to have to worry about, talk about, go through all of this at the next side. So you're just kind of like, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. Uh, it was funny um, because I often travel with a surfboard and uh, if there's a moment to get in the water, then you've got to do what you order. And I, um, and so... On there is like, do you have sporting equipment? And I'm like, no. Uh, obviously, that's the only thing I have got is a surfboard. It's big. It's not like you can hide it in your back pocket. And so you walk up and they're like, you know, going through it. Dun, 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 dun. It's like, uh, sporting equipment. You said no, but you've got a surfboard. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I just kind of want to get through as quick as possible. Like, we're all good here, right? And they're all like, yeah, yeah, we're all good. Have you got food? Anything to declare? You know the people who are like, just super like, have to reveal everything? You ever travelled with those people? It's like, yes, well, uh, you know, have you, where have you travelled? Have you been in farmland? Well, I, I stepped off the pathway. Like, I, I didn't try to, but I stood on a piece of grass and I think there may be some dirt under my shoe. Let me just have a look. Like, you ever been with those people? Oh my gosh, seriously, calm down, right? It's funny, my great friend, one of my best friends, Matt Linton here, and he texts me as he landed. He goes, oh, what's your address? And I said, bro, I'll come pick you up. And he goes, no, no, I need your address for like, to tell, so I can tell them where I'm going to be. I'm like, who actually like, knows their address? I'm all like, you know, like wherever, you know, just make something up. Like it, it's not like they can look at it and go, oh, I don't think that's a location. <laughs> Sorry, sir, we're not going to let you in. Like, how good's Melbourne? It's like, yeah, go on through, yeah, go on through, yeah, go on through, yeah, go on through. My gosh, they'll let anybody in. It's perfect. <laughs> do you have any food? It's funny when you travel with uh, certain Kiwis coming back this way. It's, you have to ask the question, do you have any clothes? Uh, their bags are full of food. Like, 
Whitaker's chocolate, Vogel's bread, anything that they, all the stuff you can't get, they're bringing it in. It's like, uh, do you actually have any clothes? You know, like, uh, it's hilarious. Uh, then you've got to go through the scan thing where you put your stuff in the tray, right? And then they, like, and then they go and you walk through that little uh, detector, the metal detector, and you walk through and then it's like, you kind of think, yeah, we're sweet. And it's like, Bang. and then the lady or the guy with the wand comes over and starts just wanding you like, sir, stand like that. And you're like, we're good, we're good. And, uh, you know, obviously sometimes over the wrist, you're like, watch, it's all good. And then I was going through once and it went over my gluteus maximus. And, um, and I was surprised. Uh, you know, she was surprised. I said, don't worry, just buns of steel. And uh, it, was, <laughs> it was an awesome moment. <laughs> she laughed, I laughed, and then I actually had to empty my pockets. And um, <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> Do you know the contents of your baggage? We all got masks. We all have masks. See, what is a mask? Mask is something that would cover what you want to cover, but reveal what you want to reveal. The thing about this mask, if you, if you think about a famous person who wore a mask, you think about the Phantom of the Opera, wore a mask, and the mask was to cover that which was disfigured, that which they didn't want to see, but you can see what I want you to see, but you can't see what I don't want you to see. That's the thing about a mask. A mask will try and cover the stuff we don't like about ourselves, but it will overproject them. Look at this. Look at this side. This is great. Get a photo of my good side. Anyone gone to get a photo with someone? They said, hang on, I've got to stand on the other side. I prefer this side. I like, you can, don't look at this part of me. Just look at this part of me. Well, I don't think God is wanting us to live a life where we try and project the good side. Otherwise, it's really awkward to do life, isn't it? Hey, how are you going? Yeah, good, 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 good. You know, Now, He wants us to be free in the fact that He has knitted us together, created us, and yes, we all have imperfections, but we don't need to cover up who we are to try and impress somebody else. We can have the sense of value and a sense of significance despite the challenges we face. We don't need to mask ourselves up. But we all have masks. Masks of doubt, masks of fear, masks of insecurity. We have masks that try to cover ourselves up and try to make it look better than what it actually is. Masks of depression, anxiety, masks of sickness, and these things cover us. And I was thinking about this and I was preparing and I thought, man, who was the first person to wear a mask? The first person to wear a mask was the devil. The devil in the garden, as we're introduced to him, comes as a serpent. He's masked. He doesn't come with a pitchfork. I don't think he has a pitchfork, despite all the cartoons. He comes as a serpent. What does He come to do? He comes to deceive people and comes to deny God's Word. My stirring, my conviction is that we are called to be as Christians, as believers, and maybe you're here and you're new to church environment. I want to tell you that God knows you. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. And whether you believe in Him, He still believes in you. And you still belong here, even if you don't believe. Just relax. Just be yourself. That's totally cool. But I have this sense in my heart when the Bible says, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a basket. No, they put it on a lampstand. They let it shine light to everybody in the house. I have this thought that if the devil can't get you to deny your faith, then he sure will try and get you to dampen your faith. He will use masks. He'll use insecurity. He'll use labels. He'll use these doubts. He'll use these shyness. He'll use the confidence or lack of it. He'll use these things to dampen the light which God has called you to shine. And He will do whatever He can to limit your life and restrict your life and hold you back. We're not called to be a people of light. 
come on, then live in a place where we're not willing to shine the fullness of it. No, we're called to get rid of those things that would want to hinder us and inhabit us and actually allow ourselves to bring light to a world that so longs for something to have clarity. Am I right? See, we're, we're so quick to label ourselves. I said this last week, and I encourage you, if you weren't here, uh, you need to jump on the church website and listen to the podcast or watch the video. But we're so quick to label ourselves. <laughs> we're so quick to put different labels upon ourselves. We're so sensitive to the, what we feel and, and, and how confident or non-confident we are or how different environments make us that we we will label ourselves. And, you know, I I don't encourage anyone to do this, but I took a depression test last Saturday as I was preparing for the message last Sunday. And uh, it was just online, like everyone's freaking out, right? Like, but I just wanted to wonder, I wonder what it takes to be a person that they would, I'll get labeled if in today's society, that would be, hey, I'm depressed. So there was not at all and then there was like a little bit, and then there was like kind of consistently, then there was a lot, and then there was like extreme. So I went the minimal you could go without saying not at all. On every question except for suicide, I said not at all. Most of them could probably have been dealt with and not been insensitive to people who deal with this in a big way. Most of them could be dealt with probably helping eat better, probably turning your phone off and not having it, giving you through the night and awaken you all the time so you sleep better. Could help you probably getting and looking and educating yourself to be in a job that you want to be a part of and not just going through the motions all the time. Probably would help being around people who spoke life into you, not people who are negative all the time. But it comes out and goes, yes, you have a mild form of depression. I'm like, are you kidding? Like, that's out of control. But the crazy thing about labels is labels, people find safety in labels. (laughs) Oh, I now have a reason why I don't have to do that. I, have, I now have comfort of why I don't need to step out like that. I now have a reason why, I, yeah, talk about shining, but you don't understand my situation. I, I'm actually shy and I've got a case where I'm really getting nervous all the time. And so that's because I've got that, it's okay. That excuses me from the life God wants me to live. And I'm just saying that ain't the way God wants us to live, man. We don't live ourselves under labels that are dictated by the world or dictated by our feelings. Come on. I know a God, I know a Savior who's come... And he's all about breaking those limitations. Come on, removing those bondages, healing those hurts, overcoming those obstacles. For Ephesians 3.20 says, one of my favourites, that he has called us to do exceedingly abundantly above. Come on, anything that you could ask, think or imagine. We're going to break down um, this awesome scripture. We read from John 4 in regards to the woman at the well last week. And we're going to read in John 5 this week. And, um, and it's about the healing at the pool. The healing at the pool. The, the healing at the pool is there was a, a pool um, that was known as a place for miracles. And the, different historians say different things, but they, they say that an angel would come and stir the waters. And when the waters were stirred, the first person that went into that, and there was a lot of disabled people who were in that vicinity, the first one in would be completely healed. And here Jesus is, he's, he's, he's been at the woman at the well and he's had an amazing revival there. Now he's gone to a place where there's a whole lot of people who are restricted and they're invalids. And here he is in this vicinity. And it says, um, verse three, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. Verse five, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned what, his, what he had been, sorry, 
lying there and learned that he had been in this condition, sorry, for a long time, he asked him, amazing question, do you actually want to be healed? Do you want to get well? Verse 7, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Ever felt like other people get the miracle, but you don't? Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. Wow. He picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was actually the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath and the law forbids you to carry your mat. Isn't it amazing how the the law holds you in your limitation, but grace frees you from your limitation. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. I love that. He didn't complicate it. He didn't complicate it. I think we so often overcomplicate what God's wanting to do in our life. The man, he didn't even know who the man was. Just a man walked in, found out how long I'd been here and told me to get up, get my mat and walk. So I got up, got my mat and I walked. Like, sounds pretty significant for 38 years in bondage to be over in one moment. (laughs) I think sometimes we can theologize, that's not a word, but let's create it today. We can theologicize. It's like when you're doing reading the Bible and exercising at the same time. Theologicize. I think we can complicate the miracle. God wants to do healings in our life, but we overcomplicate it. Too busy theologicizing. So they asked him, can we, can we delete that from the recording by any chance? So they asked him, who is this fellow? who told you to pick up your mat and walk. And the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away from the crowd. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you're well. (laughs) Now he says to him, stop sinning. God doesn't just want to do an outward transformation. He wants to do a full transformation. Come on, God's done some stuff in your life. Can we just stop sinning? (laughs) Seriously, stop. Like, stop going on in that. Stop doing that. Stop thinking like that. Stop partaking in that. Stop acting like that. Get, stop. Stop sinning. Because it says actually more worse things could happen if you carry on doing what you've been doing. Just stop. Come on, can't you see the power of God at work in your life? And then the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Three things I want to look at real quickly uh, that this scripture points out, which I think is really good for us when it comes to the, the different masks that either want to attach themselves or the things we currently have and the things that currently dominate us. Uh, the first one, breaking the scripture sounds, is ver- verse six, it says, do you want to get well? You actually have to ask yourself the question, do you actually want to get well? Do you want to get well? It seems like a really weird question to ask somebody who's hanging around miracles, right? Hanging out in a place where he's trying to get healed to ask him, do you actually want to be healed? Because when you've been in a situation when that's what you've known for a long time, it's actually kind of fearful and kind of scary to step into something where that no longer is what you're attached to. You've actually got to change the way you see things. You've got to change the way you live. You've got to change the way you act. You've got to actually create some enormous changes in your life. He had been provided for. People had cared for him. He had had everything delivered to him. And here he is, God saying, do you actually want to be made well? Come on, I think sometimes in our life, God's saying, do you actually want to be made well? Or is that little uh, crutch that you've got, do you actually like it enough that you'd rather have that than live in a place of freedom where that excuse has to leave? 
Come on, you can't carry that excuse anymore when you're made well. Come on, you can't fall back to that default when you've been made well. Do you actually want to be well? Do you want to rise up? Do you want to have to live in a place of greater dependency, more trust, more reliance on the Holy Spirit? Or would you rather stay in self and stay in what you know works? Come on, do you want to be well? Come on, I want to be well. (laughs) I want to be well. I want to do whatever it takes because if I want to be well, it means I have to reveal who I really am to allow God to be God in my life. I want to be well. Verse two, then, first, sorry, eight, that first starts off with get up. Then get up. <laughs> he makes an excuse of why not. Let's not make excuses of why God can't. <laughs> he comes in with a word, get up. Come on, I'm telling you, God's got a word for you. He's got a word into your situation. He's got a word that's got authority to be able to change whatever's been over your life. Whether it's been five years, two years, two months, two weeks, two decades, God has a word that can cause you to rise up out of what you're facing. You've got to get up. Come on, we've got to make a point where we get up. There's got to be a point where we actually say, I'm not going to stay in this place anymore. I'm not going to let insecurity be the thing that dictates me. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get this thing off my life and I'm going to get up. And we've got to make a step to get up. Come on, get up. Get moving. No more allowing that label. Now, it might be the thing that you have to deal with. You may have to deal with depression. You may have to deal with a while insecurity. You might have to, sorry, deal with, you will have to deal with insecurity. You might have to deal with sickness. But don't let that label you. Get up out of that. Do you know that one of the names of the Lord is Jehovah Nissi? The Lord is my banner. I don't know about you, but his banner doesn't say infirmity. His banner sure doesn't say curse. His banner says healing, victory, triumph, breakthrough, fullness, restoration, redemption. It's a good banner. Write it on your mirror. So when you stand there and look at it, you see you, but then there's the banner of the Lord upon you. Get a new banner upon your life. Get a new banner. Get up. Get up. We've got to get up. I shared last week, obviously, of a challenging time, and I've had many since that moment where I was under my desk. How long you stay in your dark place is actually up to you. It's not up to anybody else. There's a point where you've got to get up. You've got to get up. The third one is pick up your mat and walk. Pick up your mat and walk. This is you've got to relocate yourself. Come on, you've got to relocate yourself. Jesus knew if he just said to him, get up and stay here. Who knows that being surrounded by people who are always negative, who are always saying you can't, who are always saying it's never going to change, who are always saying this is just the way it's going to be, who are always going to say maybe this is what God gave me because God wanted me to be sick, who always stayed in that place. I'm saying relocate yourself. Come on, reposition yourself. Get your mat and move to a new location. Get out of that environment that's causing it to be, uh, causing you and wanting you to stay where you were. Come on, stop camping in the curse and park up in the promise. (laughs) Come on, get out of that place of accepting and and, and expecting the negative and stand in a place of God's promise. I'm not standing in a place of positivity, stand in a place of the promise. Come on, not wishful thinking, (laughs) the Word of God. Let it be the promise that you live from. No more declaring deficiencies, no more living as a victim, no more excuses of why not. Come on, it's time to take a stand and trying to get your mat. It's time to relocate yourself. I love that. It would have been intimidating. It would have been so hard to move somewhere he'd never been, new place, don't know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it. But he got up, he took his mat, and he walked. What was amazing is where did we find him next? We found him in the temple. (laughs) Come on, when God relocates you, it's not like, well, I've got to get out of this church and I've got to go off to something. No, no, stay in the house of God. When you get your breakthrough and your miracle, stay in the house of God. (laughs) 
come on, well, now I've got my breakthrough. Now I've got the vision. Now I've got a dream to start a company. I'm just going to go everywhere and do everything. No, no, stay in the house of God. Stay in the place where Jesus is. And look, he goes, hey, look, you're still healed. <laughs> come on, remain in a place where God's presence and victory is in your life. You know, you may, um, you may be hearing this and the truth of it is you say, man, that's, that's cool, Craig. That's great. It's very encouraging. You're obviously quite passionate and, um, you know, and, and, and that's cool, but you don't understand what I've gone through. You don't understand my story. You don't know what I have to live with week in, week out, day in, day out. And the truth of it is I may not. I may very well not. But I do want to tell you that God's ways work. God's ways work. You don't need to have someone who's been through your stuff for them to be able to bring change and, and to bring encouragement and bring life into your situation. And I've encouraged a, a, a friend of mine, a great part of our church, Brendan, to come up and Brendan's just going to share. We're going to have a conversation for a little bit and just open up what God has done and, and led him through in his life. And uh, it's going to be really cool. So I'd love you to put your hands together as Brendan comes and joins me. Thanks, mate. We'll uh, grab some stuff. Awesome. So, um, so Brendan, as we know, uh, he's married to his amazing wife, Sam. And they have a little baby on their way, which is very cool. And, um, and we obviously know uh, Brennan is an amazing worship leader, uh, someone with an, an awesome heart after God, and someone who leads with just such authenticity and carries such a great authority as well. And we love that, and we honor you for that. But um, I guess the idea of standing on a stage and, and leading in this capacity, even sitting here talking to me uh, with all these amazing people watching us and listening hasn't been something that you would ever probably really a number of years ago thought was something you would do because of the level of anxiety that you actually lived with and what dominated your life. And do you want to tell us just a little bit about your journey and sort of where, how that kind of became part of your world? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess growing up, I was always quite a confident kid, really independent. Um, it was about eight years ago, I was at the end of my education degree, so training to be a teacher. Um, everything had been going really well. I was in my last internship. Um, that was going really well. Um, but right towards the end, um, really out of nowhere, um, anxiety just came over my life um, in such a severe way that I had to, you know, like fully drop out of teaching um, and p pursue something else that was kind of not so intense, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. And um, so you're literally having to change. So this, I guess this... this um, diagnosis or this feeling, um, the sickness in a sense was so much so that you actually were pulling out of and reducing yourself to what was, I guess, more capable in, in your own. I mean, was it something that you had seen in others? Um, you know, was it whole, the whole thing new to you? Or, I mean, were you a Christian at the time? Yeah, yeah, I was a Christian at the time. I um, grew up in the church. Uh, my mom suffered with quite severe depression. Um, and then two of my brothers also um, suffered with severe anxiety um, and still do. Um, so it was something that I kind of witnessed and saw um, and knew kind of what it was about and what the limitations it could put on you, um, but never thought that that would be me. And then one day, yeah, it just came out of nowhere. And so you say like it, 
So it actually got to the point, you're saying that it's like you've actually lost a couple of jobs um, and really like riddled your life to the point that you were quite contained in, in what you were doing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're doing good, man. <laughs> um, so I guess like from there, from being at a pretty dark place, pretty low place, for you, the get up, you know, like... At what point did it, something change in you that you were like, okay, this, this actually can't be the way it's going to be? Or, like, was there a moment you had that was like, I gotta, this has got to change? Or what was that like? Yeah, um, I'm naturally quite an ambitious person. So, you know, being knocked down from there, um, started working in retail um, and stepped into, like, a store manager position. That was going really well. Um, you know, wanted to continue to progress in my career. So stepped into a merchandising position where I kind of looked after 15 stores. Um, anxiety came back really strongly then again, so I had to kind of step back again. Um, stepped into another role about a year later, and again the same thing happened. Um, and, you know, talking to you know talking this through with my family, with my mother, um, you know, she said to me one day out of a real loving place, you know, maybe this is just your mind or your body telling you, you know, what your capacity is or what what you can kind of handle. Um, and I actually was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like, you know, my mother's gone through this as well, so kind of really started to talk that over my life as well and you know for a time I was just enjoying what I was doing and what I could kind of handle in that moment um, but I got to a place where um, and I just wasn't content with it and I was praying to God and talking to God and I was like is this all you have for me like is this what I need to live my life with um, and just yeah, just praying and, and, you know, trying to seek him in his word. Um, and God was like, this is, this is not all I have for you. Like, I don't want you to be content with that. Um, and in that moment, he, he dropped a verse um, kind of into, into my heart and I looked it up and it was Genesis 12, verse 2 to 3, um, where it says, I will make you into a great nation. I will make your name great and I will bless you. I will bless those who bless you and I will bless those who are around you. Yeah. So awesome. So good. It's amazing. And you were telling me of another scripture you love in Jeremiah 17, isn't it? 7 and 8. Um, and I love that scripture as well because I, I think, uh, isn't it amazing? When you get a word from God, uh, it starts to readjust things. And even though someone's, and our parents have done the same for us at times, they've spoken things over us out of care, but actually what it does is actually, it actually tries to get us to conform to what is easy and what is safe rather than a step of faith. And, um, and what's that other scripture, mate, that you... Um, yeah, and then another time God gave me the scripture, Jeremiah 17, verse 7, 8. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of a drought. It never fails to bear fruit. Come on, man. So good. So good. So... Probably just practically and, and briefly, but so this journey of trust obviously was what you then had to start embarking on, actually trusting God. And despite that feeling, despite those moments of, of real anxiety and actually willing to go anyway, what were some of the, the trust moments that you had with God that he, he sort of led you on? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, God opened up another door for me in another VM role, um, looking after even more stores. Um, and I guess I was quite hesitant at the time thinking, you know, am I going to fail again? Um, but, you know, 
stepping into that role and really just trusting and leaning on God and speaking those verses over my life. You know, the days where I'd get to work and be so overwhelmed, um, but I would think about those verses and, and step into that for the day and everything would just kind of fall into place. Um, you know, would become quite successful at what I was doing and, um, yeah, just kept walking with God through that. That's awesome, man. So cool. And now you're here in Melbourne. You've got a child on the way. You're sitting on stage talking, which I don't think will be the last time. Um, and, uh, and we're just, you know, to let us in on your story is amazing, man. Um, thank you for that. Thank you for living it and walking it out. So you're at a place that you are speaking out of victory. Um, and I know it doesn't mean that every day is easy. But what would you say just as an encouragement to someone who is, you know, for all of us, we're all facing stuff. But what would be encouragement just from what God's put in and done through your life that you can encourage everyone with? Yeah, I think just continue to press into him, continue to seek him out, find a verse, I could just be one, um, that you continue to, you know, talk over your life. It, you know, really helped and worked amazingly for me, um, even to the point now where, you know, God's led me to a bigger role and the chance to move to Melbourne, which has been amazing. Um, but there's still days where I'm just like, I need to look at that verse, I need to talk it through um, and just continue to, to be confident in, in his faith and his trust and his love that he has for you because he wants to see you succeed. Brilliant, brilliant. Come on, can we honour, can we thank Brendan? Well That's awesome. It's awesome on this side of it. It's awesome sitting on a stage talking about it, but the truth is, is that there's no doubt mornings where you still wake up. For all of us, we have moments where we wake up and we're like, oh man. But I want to tell you that God's word for you is come on, get up. You know, when he said that, I don't think he said that in a harsh way. <laughs> you ever had someone speak to you in a way that just like just stirs you? You ever been in a team sport where you feel like you're down and then someone just says, come on, get up. It's not a harsh. It's not a discouragement. It's not you're failed. <laughs> it's actually, I believe in you. <laughs> There's a sense of you can do this. Come on, it's, it's, it's okay. I'm with you. <laughs> get up. Get up. And, um, you know, amazing thing is, as I read that story, I felt stirred to go, what is the meaning of Bethesda? What is the meaning of Bethesda? And so I looked it up, and it's a Hebrew and Aramaic word, and, and it means in both Hebrew and Aramaic, it means that the house of mercy, the house of grace. But at the same time, it says the word equally means uh, shame and um, deceit which is amazing. Which to me, I would look at that and I'd say, wow, that's, that's a place of transition. That's a place of exchange. <laughs> Don't you love that we have a God of grace and mercy <laughs> who doesn't say, sorry, there's shame in your life. There's deceit in your life. There's deficiency in your life. There's sickness in your life. There's insecurity in your life. I'm sorry, you're not welcome in this place. The thing is, it was a place where they were to come. <laughs> Those of shame and those who were not allowed in other areas were actually welcomed into this place because this is where they're going to find mercy and grace. I don't know how you walked into church, but when I walked back into church as an 18-year-old, I walked in with shame. I walked in with deficiency. I walked in with major insecurity. I walked in with levels of deceit in my life. But I walked in and I didn't find judgment and I didn't find somebody pointing the finger at me and I didn't someone saying, hey, you go get right, then you come back in this place. No, I was met with grace. <laughs> I was met with mercy. I was met by Jesus. That's the power of and the wonder of living a life with Christ. It's not that our lives will be perfect and everything will be okay. 
but we have a Christ who is perfect and He can make everything okay. Doesn't mean we're going to get every miracle we want when we want it, but it does mean that He is with us and it does mean that He has a plan for us and there is a purpose and He is able to use us in ways that we can't see on our own. And I want to encourage you this week in our groups, if you're not in a group yet, I really encourage you to get into a group. Having chatted with Brendan Moore, it was cool just hearing the, the moments where he had prayer and where he had people speak life into him. Come on, our groups are not about trying to tick off a midweek box of I've done that. It's about being in an environment where you've got people around you who are going to speak life into your situation. Come on, they're going to stand and they're going to pray with you. And this week in our groups, we're going to have time to pray for one another with regards to the masks that we feel we have. Come on, with regards to the insecurities that we know that we've got to wage war with. The things of fear, the things of doubt, the areas of sickness. We're going to believe for miracles this week through our groups. You say, oh, well, you should be doing that in church. Mate, we have a team every Sunday up the front, straight after the service, where you can come and get prayer for anything and everything. And we believe miracles are for every moment, but they're not confined to this building because we are the church. Come on, we are the house of God. We are the place of grace. We are the ones to extend mercy. We are the ones to bring hope. We are the ones that carry God's healing. So wherever we are, let's bring it. Let's be it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.